discover more compassionate relations with human beings, but how can we develop compassionate relations with the other creatures with whom we share this planet? There's an us before the wound, there's an us before oppression, and let to be pleasure is a way that we tap down into that. Welcome to the Total Liberation Podcast. It's your host, Mexi, and I am here today with someone who is no stranger to the Total Liberation audience, the co-ghost of the Horror Vanguard Podcast, Ash. Welcome, Ash. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing doing great. I'm so excited to be back. I love, I love it. I mean, we have the most fun conversations when I show up on the show. Yeah, I'm super stoked to have you here and really excited to have this conversation, which I think will be a juicy one. Um, <laughs> it will maybe, be interesting at the very least. Yeah, probably a bit polarizing. I guess we'll see. Um, before we dive in, I actually wanted to recommend that listeners refer to episodes 71 and 80 that we did. Um, 71 is called Speciesism Isn't What You Think It Is. And episode 80 is taking plant sentience seriously. And in both of those, we kind of dig into some of what we'll be touching on today, just kind of the theory behind, you know, what is speciesism and how can we really politicize this? So um, I'd recommend those if you're interested in this topic and want to dive deeper. Um, But I do want this to be kind of a, a standalone episode that people can listen to and share with people who maybe aren't so familiar with the hashtag discourse around total liberation and political veganism. Um, So hopefully we can put that together for you today. So to start off, uh, post-veganism, quite a salacious title. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) That I credit to you, Ash. So do you want to kick us off by by talking about um, what we want to say with the term post-veganism? Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess it's worth worth highlighting that both you and I had been vegan for quite quite a long time. Yes. <laughs> um over over half my life on on my part um since I was like um I think god when did I like fully become vegan or whatever like 15 16? Yeah. Um forever ago. <laughs> Um, but like, you know, like recently for me, for like, you know, like medical reasons, I've had to like step away from being entirely plant-based as it were. And that's kind of, uh, precipitated the conversations that we've had leading up to this episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So I also went, well, I went vegetarian when I was 18 and I was vegetarian until I was 28 and then I went vegan. I'm now, th- I'm now 36. So yeah, it's been like a good run. <laughs> It's been a pretty good run. Um, But yeah, the term post-veganism, Ash brought it up in one of the conversations that we were having. And I was like, this is perfect. This is, you know, just academic enough. It's touching on, you know, (laughs) the hashtag discourse. Um, But what we want to say with this term really is thinking about, you know, where do you go? Like, where do we go when we realize that, 
consumer-based activism is insufficient, but we still care. Like we still care about total liberation. Like how do we actually take seriously the idea that veganism is a political stance and a political movement aimed or that should be aimed at dismantling systems of oppression, right? Like where do we go from there? So we kind of thought post-veganism, you know, post, uh, you know, being vegan for you know, X amount of years and just kind of coming to this point of like, well, what now? What next? You know, like what, what do we really do to dig in here and make change? Because, you know, has what we've been doing been making change? No. Has it been making us feel better? (laughs) Yes. But like, is that enough? You know, so, um, but we did want to distinguish or, you know, um, distance ourselves from Sander Katz. (laughs) (laughs) maybe you want to mention uh what what we mean by that so so uh for the for the savvy listener out there in listener land uh post-veganism might sound suspiciously close to Mm post-vegetarianism um and there's even a good chance that like if you're super into like vegan philosophy and argumentation you might not have heard about post-vegetarianism because it didn't really last too long Mm -hmm. but like post-vegetarianism was like the attempt to theorize like quote unquote, humane meat and happy cows. Mm. Uh, the post-vegetarian people were the people arguing that like, oh, it's, it's okay to eat meat when it's free range because the cow dies a happy death and out in the field and then you can eat happy meat. Yeah. And, and that's, that's certainly not where we're taking this. Right, exactly. So we just wanted to kind of define what we mean by the term and um, just how we're using it and what we hope to get out of this episode. So... Yeah, we're definitely not meaning for this episode to be some kind of conservative turning away from animal rights or environmentalism, etc. But we really do want to push the movement further to really try to broaden and expand the meaning of veganism or, or just total liberation activism to be something that I think hopefully will be more effective in the long run, um, something that might be also more inclusive and less ableist. <laughs> um, oh, I was just going to add that post-vegetarianism is still a like, it's still a diet. It's still a set of consumer practices. It's still voting with your wallet. And I think today what we're both going for and what we've been going for in like, I don't know, the two months of conversations we've been having probably more than that mm-hmm. um, is, is something that goes beyond just consumer behavior. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, you know, this is kind of an episode for everyone. If you are vegan, it's hopefully going to inspire you to push further um, and to also, you know, maybe take it easy on people who can't always participate fully in the consumer-based vision of veganism. Mm -hmm. And if you're not, it's just, you know, a, a plea to Think about, you know, environmentalism, animal rights, all of these things and how all of these issues are connected. Um, and yeah, to, just to really think about what ways can we participate in building a future that is liberated for everyone, for the environment, um, hopefully for animals. Um, and, you know, thinking about the ways that you might be able to participate outside oh, yeah. of, oh, yeah, outside of just 100% uh, consumer based activism, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I would love it if, if, regardless of if you're coming to this episode as someone who's like us, formerly or maybe currently been vegan for quite a long time, or maybe someone who's never been vegan, 
you know, I, I would love it if people would come away with this episode, kind of thinking more broadly about these issues rather than seeing, you know, because I, I, I know you and I have both encountered so many people out there who see veganism, like veganism, the individual consumer practice as being the first step and flagship in total liberation, mm -hmm. animal liberation, environmental justice. Yeah. And there's really so much more to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so hopefully, I mean, this is coming from two like very long time vegans. So hopefully it's, <laughs> it's well received, you know, it's just um, us really grappling with both of our journeys and the impact that we wanted to have versus the impact that maybe we realistically have had. And then, yeah. you know, where do we go from here? Um, Definitely. Yeah. So I wanted to start by laying out like how and why we recognized that we needed a total liberation approach and kind of decided to move away from just this idea of strict consumer-based activism. And I mean, I, I hesitate to just recap this podcast's entire body of work. <laughs> <laughs> But I do want this to be a standalone episode, as I said, that can be shared with people who maybe haven't had any introduction to any of this. So I thought we could start by kind of recapping why uh, veganism as just a diet, like as just something that you go to the grocery store and buy is woefully insufficient <laughs> for making <laughs> yeah. systemic change. Um, so did you want to kick us off with that? Um, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get us started with kind of our first bulletin bulletin point here. And that's, despite the fact that vegan uh, menu items and vegan grocery store items have become more popular than ever before, animal production is still on the rise, right? The, the use of animals in industrial agriculture and industrial food production hasn't slowed down. So veganism as some kind of consumer boycott, which we'll, we'll, we'll get into more later, hasn't, doesn't seem to uh, have done what it set out to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, and people will point out that, sure, there's been population increase, but the increase in animal consumption has really outpaced the, you know, proportionally the increase in population. So it's more than can be just accounted for by an increase in population. So, and I mean, I guess you could argue like, well, if there were no vegans, then, you know, it would be even worse. <laughs> but that's really, really hard to quantify, right? Um, considering that our movement is on the rise and it still isn't making a dent, you know, in decreasing animal production. So there's that. And I think part of the reason why it's not really making a dent is due to the fact that there are, you know, well, we're living in what some people refer to as monopoly capitalism right now. Um, and, you know, most of the vegan companies have been bought out and are owned by larger companies that either also own other companies that produce animal products or just are the, the companies that produce animal products. So you're just really giving your money to the same people and they don't really care uh, if you're eating. Yeah. <laughs> You my know. the kind of go-to uh metaphor i guess that that keeps coming to my mind for this one is burger king selling impossible burgers yeah like you can now get a fully vegan burger meal at your burger king mm -hmm. but the money the money goes to one of the most prolific sources of animal exploitation right like mm -hmm. a, a fast food burger restaurant like I, there, there's kind of a disconnect in veganism as a 
some kind of politically engaged consumer practice if at the end of the day, like the money still goes right back to the thing we're ostensibly here to stop. Exactly. Yeah. You even said, uh, you know, is it vegan to mm-hmm. go to Burger yeah. King and eat a burger at Burger King? And it's like, if the goal, if you're trying to see veganism as a consumer boycott, then no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I definitely like, like, that's something that I've said a lot in our, our voice notes back and forth, like, is, mm-hmm. is going to Burger King to get a vegan meal vegan? Right. And I don't, I don't mean that as like, a because v- veganism, I mean, like, is plagued with so many, like, pseudo gatekeepy individual purity, like, oh, is it really vegan if you're doing X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. kind of arguments but i mean that is a more like a direct political question like like what is veganism if you can be totally vegan but still do all of your uh, uh kind of like food shopping at like these prolific sources of animal abuse exactly exactly and uh we actually had someone on the podcast um nicknamed vegan Batgirl. Um, so I'll link, <laughs> I'll, I'll link that below. Um, but she is involved with um, like lobbying and to change laws and things like that. And she talked about how, you know, the government subsidies and mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're pretty similar in the U S and Canada. They basically mean that supply and demand don't operate as it, you know, ostensibly is supposed to within animal agriculture. And of course, as anti-capitalists, we know that supply and demand, you know, there's a lot of problems with that theory anyway. Um, But given the fact that the government is going to bail out these companies anyway, um, supply and demand doesn't work in the same way. And so a a boycott, which again, we're going to return to, isn't going to be effective if supply and demand isn't going to be affected, right? If they aren't hit by losses, then they're not going to reduce their production. And that's exactly what we see. We see actually the dairy companies, you know, dumping out gallons mm-hmm. and gallons of milk because they're not going to reduce production. They're just going to get bailed out. Yep. So unless we're changing that, <laughs> we're not going to make <laughs> a lot of headway with this, you know, pseudo boycott. And I, th- I think, I mean, like, we've, we've mentioned boycotts so many times. Right. I, I think the thing about boycotts is that kind of historically, boycotts have a very short time window than they operate. Like Amazon, you know, Amazon's Black Friday, uh, Cyber Monday deals. Right. Uh, every year there's a boycott for that. And that boycott lasts for the duration of the sale. You know, Blackout Friday, don't shop at Amazon. And that's called for directly by workers from Amazon looking to cause a hit to their profits. And so we have a, a, a target that's very specific in terms of its time window and its goals. And so it's easy to recruit people for a one-off uh, a short-term boycott. You know, if Burger King had some kind of, I don't know, sale. If Burger King did a sale on on something and we got like a short-term boycott for it. Or like when when uh, coffee shops are unionizing and they call for a community boycott of the coffee chain during the unionizing effort. Mm. There's something that is has a very specific and direct goal and very short term. But the goal of total liberation or animal liberation specifically is incredibly complex. It, it can't be reduced to something. You, it's it's hard to do a boycott to to create a just world wherein we coexist with animals because mm-hmm. that's a gigantic issue full of so many multifaceted components. Mm-hmm. And the time window for that can't be short term. The time window for that is generational. Right. You know, you, you, you can't call a generational boycott on, on a Burger King that would just kind of like fundamentally not work. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's partly why it's not working because it has to be generational. There's so much time for it to be just completely co-opted by these large corporations who can then offer us both options. And then our boycott is ineffective, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. Like it's, it's no longer targeted. Um, so yeah, that's a great point that it's not to say that boycotts in general are never going to work, but it's this particular approach because it has to take so long and, and be so involved. There's so many companies <laughs> that we would have to boycott. <laughs> um, yeah, it just gets really messy and ultimately ineffective. Um, and then of course we have that, I mean, everyone kind of realizes that not everyone can vote with their dollars. And so mm -hmm. I think people in the more kind of total liberation space understand that, like the people who are anti-capitalist and, yeah. you know, so there is a recognition that it's not going to work uh, even just monetarily for every person, you know, but then there's a lot of important activism going on to um, address the issue of food deserts and things like that. Um, and I guess mm -hmm. vegans doing that are kind of thinking like, well, if we address this issue, then like there won't be any more excuses for people <laughs> to not be vegan. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but you know, that, that is, uh, an issue and mm -hmm. yeah, just, I mean, this idea of a diet, I, it, it is, yes. <laughs> It gets really tricky because then there's so much, and I mean, I'm someone who is a great example of this. I mean, there's so much overlap between like EDs and oh, young, yeah. mm -hmm. young, young women going vegan. And that was kind of like the space that I entered was just, a there was a ton of vegan influencers on YouTube and Instagram and everything that I was following. And they were all super young. Um, and I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much time we have to get into all this, but you know, there's like the high carb, low fat. Like there was yep. all these like very specific dietary trends within the broader diet of veganism. Um, and yeah, most of those people completely fell off because it, it, you know, I don't want to say that they, they never cared about the animals because I think that's kind of bullshit when people retros, you know, just kind of judge people for not being vegan anymore. And they say like, oh, they never cared or mm -hmm. whatever. But because it was so wrapped up in diet, like there really wasn't a broader uh, movement for liberation that these people could really connect into. And so when the diet no longer seemed to work, it was just like, okay, bye. Yeah. And then the whole rest of the vegan community just torched them like, oh, fuck these people. They're terrible. You know, just the kind of horrible comments that you get on those kind of like, oh, I'm not vegan anymore videos. Mm -hmm. um, and we talked about this in uh, episode 71 that I referenced, um, just that to me, that's the mark of a very fragile movement. Like if it's so easy for people to fall out of the movement and then the entire rest of the movement has to just totally blow them up and just be like oh those people like don't listen to them they're horrible people blah 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 but if this was a movement that had more teeth like if this was a more broad-based actual political movement and then somebody for some reason couldn't participate wholly in the diet aspect there would still be other avenues for them to get involved. Like they could get involved in lobby group, you know, trying to lobby the government to change the laws around subsidies. You know, they could try to get involved with 
all these other avenues of like actual total liberation. And it wouldn't have to be like, oh, fuck these people. Let's pretend they don't exist. It would be, you know, there's <laughs> there's a place for everyone in this broader, more political movement that isn't just solely based around diet, right? Oh, ab- absolutely. And you're, you're completely right on so, on so many levels with this one. Veganism is has been reduced in a lot of ways and its radical potentials kind of uh, boiled away by turning it into a diet by making everything like oh you've got to get the radical liberation cookbook or mm-hmm. something like that like it, it's just simply a, a consumer fad mm-hmm. or at least like that's kind of popularly what it's been turned into and yeah you get all these problems where like somebody for a variety of reasons which is another subject we'll get into who has to mm-hmm. stop or chooses to stop being vegan either for a short-term period or forever. And then like you get like an entire community turning on them because it's about, it's just like diet culture. It's about purity. Mm -hmm. It's about sticking to this thing. And then like, because it's, it's just literally a consumptive practice. It's just a diet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, it's beholden to all of the politics that gets sucked in to diet culture. It's beholden to a lot of really terrible gendered stuff Mm-hmm. fat phobia ableism like all of these things that are in the kind of general diet orbit mm-hmm. and like sure veganism veg- and vegetarianism are diets that you know if you look at the research people stick to those diets longer than they do like paleo or keto or, or kind of any of the other like fad diets mm-hmm. but like even with that said like it still is kind of caught up in all that stuff and then you have people who are like Ugh, like it's it's just so terrible to have like a ostensibly liberatory political apparatus imprisoning people who have an eating disorder or a variety yeah. of other you know medical conditions that impact their diet needs mm-hmm. no absolutely yeah that's such a great point and i mean i just i think it's like embarrassing for the movement frankly you know if somebody becoming vegan and then stopping being vegan because and we're going to we'll get into this later like because the definition of speciesism is just like anyone eating an animal and not actually a systemic understanding of speciesism the idea is that if somebody becomes goes plant-based i should say and then stops Mm -hmm. eating plant-based or consuming that way it's like it shows that you know to, to vegans who define speciesism that way it's it's like basically proof that oh this doesn't work or you know what i mean like if somebody actually had a medical reason why they couldn't do this forever then it's like oh therefore veganism doesn't work therefore like it's kind of like therefore the movement has no teeth but Mm -hmm. that's only if you're defining it in this ridiculous way. Like if you actually define speciesism as a systemic issue that requires systemic uh, (laughs) action and collective action to address, then that wouldn't be such a big, horrible embarrassment for the movement. Like it would still be like, no, 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 this is still valid. We still care about animal liberation. We still care about total liberation, but we understand that like this, like it can't just be about, diet and that everyone has to follow this for us to get there oh absolutely yeah i think the highlighting the systemic issues thing is really important because veganism it doesn't have a lot of strength when it comes to withstanding the complexities of the world in which it has to operate as part of the effort to achieve animal liberation and total liberation Mm -hmm. and i think a huge part of that is is that veganism ultimately becomes about your individual participation with capitalism Mm -hmm. 
and in kind of the the analogy I brought up in an earlier conversation that you and I had is recycling. You know, yeah. uh, uh, recycling. I, I see recycling as definitely being a very important part of prefiguration and something that would be necessary in a better world, right? Mm-hmm. Reusing the raw materials that we can literally use a second time to to create tools or shipping containers or, or whatever, right? There's plenty of materials out there that we could just use again. But like in so many communities here in the United States, when you when you throw your recyclables into the blue recycling containers, they just get sent to the same dump that your trash goes to. Mm-hmm. And, and so many restaurants, they've got the the divided garbage bin that has garbage on one side, recycle on the other, and they both go into the same bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, recycling has been recaptured by capital and is now part of environmental theater, right? We think we're doing something good. We think we're participating. Mm-hmm. But so much of recycled material just gets wasted back into the to the same systems that we're trying to oppose by it. Mm-hmm. And the kind of individual practice of veganism I see as being very similar. Aspects of it could be part of prefiguration. But as it stands currently, it's been turned into kind of this theater for environmental or liberatory practice. Absolutely. I love that analogy. I think that's really, really spot on. Um, And yeah, it's like going back to, you know, us (laughs) for so many (laughs) years practicing this, um, you know, it sucks because at first you get into it, you're super militant, you're super excited, you're super idealistic. You're like, oh my God, this is so great. I'm making Mm -hmm. a difference. I'm on the right side of history and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, the years go on and you get kind of jaded and it it sucks to not, you know, like there used to be those memes that, that were like, oh, this year I saved this many animals and this many acres of the rainforest and this many this and this, because I eat vegan. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, I did that, you know? And then you realize that like, (laughs) no, that's not quite what's going on. Um, And you're right. Like, yeah, it is, it it could be really important for prefiguration and and it could be part of, um, you know, a liberated future but like the practice itself of just consuming that way is not Mm -hmm. part of what's going to get us there and i think the analogy of recycling is is great um and it sucks because i still i mean i recycle every week right like i'm i'm very on top (laughs) of it and yet i know that i have to be so diligent about what goes in the bin because like even one thing in there that should not be recyclable. And by the way, there are so many things that you think should be recyclable oh, or, that, yeah. or that have the recycle symbol on there that actually aren't recyclable. Mm-hmm. And then that just spoils the entire bin. And then that all just goes in the trash. Like 90% of what we think we're recycling is not getting recycled apparently. So yeah, that sucks. Um, so theater, I think is a great word for it. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, it, it blows. It does. It, it, feels bad. <laughs> it, it feels bad to know that. Right. Because it's almost like, you know, you kind of found this uh, this simple solution. Right. Like, well, I care about the environment and I care about animals. And so here's mm-hmm. the solution. Right. And then when you kind of look further, you're like, no, that no, it's <laughs> it, it can't be the the full solution. And like we have to do more. And then and then you're kind of at this post vegan place of like, well, now what? Like, what is what is more? Right. Oh, oh, totally. And I, I think that's really like where, where I've been with a lot of this conversation is like. Like a lot of what brought me to this, like beyond kind of like the personal medical stuff that like initially forced the change, like after that, it was a lot of like really uh, to just kind of like defeated 
internal philosophical musing like what was the point of all of this veganism did this even achieve anything was i just tricked mm. you know in the same way that recycling like you know it it feels good to just like you said like oh man i i used to be one of those people that would like look up the like oh you were vegan and you and you did this much recycling and so here's your positive environmental impact yeah and like, like, just, just like, it felt good to, to feel like you're doing something good. And then like, I zoom out my thought a little bit and like, you know, we're, we're in the sixth mass extinction caused by oil executives mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm eating an impossible burger. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, just right. a little, it's a little grim, but it is, it, it's kind of like, I don't know, this is the process, right? Like, yeah. You know the the, fir- the first step in correcting something is kind of embracing how fucked it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, like we're being you know very negative right now. So to credit veganism, I think there is a lot of good work being done by a lot of people. Um, and I, you know, we've tried to do some of that work on this podcast to really connect the dots between animal oppression and other forms of oppression and a lot of really amazing um, people of color who are vegan have really done a lot of incredible work in theorizing in that realm like AFCO, Christopher Sebastian, etc, Lauren Ornelas and uh, you know like I, I do feel like I developed a lot politically through my care for total liberation and my care for animal liberation so like you know um, it's definitely not all <laughs> a waste or anything like that. Okay, um, and yeah. again, I, I think, you know, there is, there is something to be said about prefiguration, but, um, yeah, I guess all of this has just really left me kind of wanting more, right. I think both of us. And so I wanted to just, uh, do a little bit of recap ag- again of the, uh, episode 71 about, um, the understanding of speciesism. Cause I think this is really key. And I think this is where the mainstream vegan movement really falls down. And even the total liberation vegan movement kind of falls down. Like I mentioned, I read, uh, I think it was total liberation ecology. And I really respect like all the writers, um, who are part of that book, but I was a little bit disappointed, um, because it just kind of, again, repeated what I hear often is that, you know, not only is veganism about stopping animal agriculture and like systemic abuse, um, it's also you can't hunt and you can't fish, right? <laughs> um, and I think that that, and I understand where that's coming from, um, because uh, like a lot of People were framing that as like, well, that's just inherent violence. Um, But then some anarchists and and other people were kind of retorting and being like, I don't think we can talk about violence outside of like systemic violence, right? Um, And so basically what we were talking about in episode 71 was really defining speciesism as a systemic political issue, right? So if speciesism is the systemic and institutional oppression of animals that is rampant under capitalism um, and has been spread through colonialism, then, you know, what we're fighting against is clear. We're fighting against those systems. We're fighting against this industry and these corporations. We're not necessarily fighting for a world where nobody ever consumes an animal, right? Because if you get into that territory, then it becomes really difficult to, you know, fight for land back or to fight for respect for the treaties and things like that. 
And, you know, I want to be careful because obviously it's like, obviously there are indigenous vegans and these are, you know, conversations that are happening in communities. Um, but, you know, in all of the work that I do, um, and I think I've told the story before is, um, you know, one of the indigenous people that I work with lives up in the tundra uh, up north in, well, so-called Canada. And he, he was inviting me up to his territory to see his IPCA and whatever. And I was like... I mean, he knew that I was vegan. So he was like, well, would you consider not being vegan for this trip? Because like, <laughs> like, I don't know what you're going to eat, right? Like if you're coming out with us to be on the land, like I literally don't know what you're going to have um, because you could think about it. They're up in the tundra. Like they're not cultivating a lot of stuff. Like they are hunting and trapping um, and the grocery stores up there. I don't know if people have seen um, sometimes you know, pictures of this stuff gets shown on mm -hmm. Twitter and whatever. Um, but it's like, you know, a, a head of lettuce is like $50 or something, you know, something ridiculous because of the cost it takes to ship everything up there. Um, but, you know, for nations like that, they aren't fighting, you know, they're, they're fighting for respect for the trees, respect for their trapping and hunting rights, etc. They're not fighting for a bunch of like superstores and Walmarts to open up in their territories with cheaper prices so that they can buy mm -hmm. vegan food, right? And I think that it gets really messy because a lot of theorists, like vegan theorists, will say that you know killing an animal for any reason consuming an animal for any reason is wrong and it's murder and it's violence but then they'll kind of add a cliff note like oh but if you're indigenous it's fine right <laughs> like mm -hmm. like oh we're not coming for indigenous people we're just coming for everyone else and to me like i've I've had so many conversations with people who have charged me with being you know a cultural relativist because I support, indigenous rights or just mm -hmm. the rights of like subsistence hunters and whatever. And I'm like, no, it's, it's see, it's, it's ideologically inconsistent. If you, yes. it's, if you're framing speciesism in the way that I'm not framing it, you know, like if you are framing speciesism as it's violence for anyone to eat an animal for any reason, then yeah, it is going to be inconsistent for you to, say that and then to also advocate for the rights you know treaty rights of certain groups um but if i'm defining speciesism in this very political systemic way and i'm not defining it as like an individual practice of participating in a predator prey relationship then what i'm saying is not ideologically inconsistent i'm not being culturally rel relativist i know what i'm fighting for and i know you know like i'm fighting against the commodity status of animals yes Ab absolutely absolutely like i oh my god so some of those arguments you were mentioning that that have been levied against you and levied against other people are just so i, I mean baffling to, to me to to the point of, of willful ignorance right all it takes is a little bit of materialism a, a little bit of historical discourse right mm -hmm. it's not it's not indigenous people and and their traditional cultures that have caused the sixth mass, mass extinction Mm -hmm. that are causing ecological collapse right it's colonialist ceos mm -hmm. it's capitalistic extraction you know like like there is a material and historic difference between a, a bunch of british nobles fox hunting and indigenous people living on the tundra or mm -hmm. like your local jet ski dealer uh, uh buying a hunting trip to go shoot a lion you know, like, mm -hmm. like those things are different on so many levels, both quantitative and qualitative that, that we, we don't need to like 
you know, burden ourselves with these unnecessary arguments about like, oh, is all hunting bad? Yeah. And it's just, it's just no, of course not. Like, don't, don't, we, we were like, it, our movement is either resilient enough to handle complexity or we're still stuck having like those teenage debates of like, oh, you're vegan. But what if you were trapped on a desert right. island that had only pigs? Yeah. Would you stay vegan and die or would you eat one of those bacon machines? Like mm-hmm. just the most like Reddit brained nonsense. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's frustrating, honestly. And and I mean, I get it because, you know, um, when I first went vegan and I mean, even like I recommend the book Braiding Sweetgrass to everyone. Yeah, I love it. It's amazing. Right. But as a vegan, that was, you know, parts of that were challenging and parts of it, Mm -hmm. you know, for the people I recommended it to were challenging because it's talking about um, reciprocity um, and it's talking about hunting and trapping and things like that and things that I'm like, is that reciprocity? You know, Um, but I, I felt like it was really challenging in a good way. And I still do hold the position that like, I would find it very difficult to go out and hunt an animal. I would Mm -hmm. really, really fucking struggle with that. Right. Um, And I understand why people are like, oh, that's violent. And that's like, I can't do that. Um, But as I mentioned in the episode 71, I mean, I, that's just really coming from my positionality as like a white suburban woman who has never been exposed to hunting or like to, to needing to do that. Or, you know, I've never been in any, any kind of reciprocal relationship with the land or animals around me. So that's just a position that I can't really understand, you know, but it doesn't mean that I need to vilify that as like murderous barbarism, which it itself is like incredibly racist, you know, oh, um, definitely, and, yeah. and infantilizing. Um, and, you know, again, it's, it's, um, it's a complicated conversation because like I said, there are indigenous vegans. I'm not going to say that like all indigenous people are living off the land or, or whatever. <laughs> um, of course not. Right. And it's true that animal agriculture as an industry is incredibly colonial, right? Like we've talked a oh, lot yeah. of, about that and actually, um, the indigenous anarchist on Instagram actually recently posted about this, um, about how, you know, animal agriculture was used as a tool of colonial territorialization to just claim a bunch of land mm-hmm. um, and, you know, displace all of indigenous people's food and replace it with cattle and, and you know, whatever. So, yeah, it, it is an incredibly colonial practice. And as, as I mentioned before, a lot of vegans of color have talked about how um, animalization is incredibly racist as well, right? This is, there's, there's so much overlap between colonialism and the systems that we're fighting, right? Like colonial capitalism is the main driver of animal agriculture as an industry. So of course, it's important to think about like what would a de- decolonial food system look like. Um, but then there are some vegans who just like take it in a weird direction and say actually that like meat eating writ large, not just meat eating from animal agriculture is colonial. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I've actually seen that said by like a white theorist. um, And I I just, I'm kind of floored by that, you know, especially because we know that colonialism eradicated the the buffalo and, you know, the food sources for indigenous people. Like, it's unbelievable to think that you know, all, all of these nations that are fighting tooth and nail to protect their treaty rights, their hunting and trapping and fishing rights, that they are colonial, right? Like, let's, let's be clear about what we're talking about. Yes, animal agriculture is colonial, but like, 
all animal consumption period is not colonial. Yeah. And in, in indigenous people too, and, and especially with like their, their traditional hunting and fishing like cultures, they are the target of like ostensible, like quote unquote, environmental policies disproportionately when compared with like colonial, like industrial fishing and farming apparatuses. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they'll be more like, oh, we need to protect this wildland. So no more hunting and fishing here. And then like, right. you know, a few hundred miles south of that is like a, a massive industrial pollution complex designed to create Baconators. You know? <laughs> yes, like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so I, I just think that with this more systemic understanding of speciesism, A, we can be ideologically consistent and mm-hmm, yep. we can fight to decolonize. We can, you know, fight alongside indigenous peoples. We can fight alongside, you know, anyone who uh, you know, needs to consume this way for any reason and still be for total liberation, right? Like we can be not ableist we can be really radically inclusive in our politics and have that be consistent and have that be part of a broader movement that is really aiming to address systems mm-hmm. that would lead to liberation for all right <laughs> oh yeah a- absolutely and like because veganism is just a vote with your dollars thing because it's just a consumer practice you, you, we've been we've been like I bought and sold by our corporate overlords on this one. You know, we're, Mm -hmm. we're at the point where like, like I have seen so much discourse about like vegan leather jackets are Mm -hmm. better because they don't harm animals, but it's actually just a giant hunk of petrochemical nightmare fuel. Exactly. You you know, and like, ah, like the, the, the vegan alternative industry just is a thriving landscape of like mockery to the core values of veganism, whether you came at this for animal rights or you came at this for environmentalism or even personal health, you Mm -hmm. know, if, if the kind of deeper political machinations of, of veganism as, as a way of being are not interesting, uh, uh, to, to an individual, like even if you're just concerned with like some kind of nebulous health value thing, like all all of the plastic that has come to supplant, you know, like animal products is just baffling to me. And how mm-hmm. how readily veganism is kind of like a broader set of movements kind of accepts that, mm-hmm. like the the level to which it's been so thoroughly recaptured and tamed and kind of like like yoked and broken of of any radical potential and now it's just like you go to target and you buy a pack of impossible sausages and a shirt that says go vegan Mm -hmm. and and now you're doing your part and like but that's kind of materially indistinguishable from someone going to target and buying like a a six pack of brats and a Mm -hmm. shirt that says bbq time baby (laughs) Yeah. No, it's so true. And I think that the plastic leather discussion is a great example of why we need a total liberation approach, like why we need to connect the dots between all of these systems. Because yeah, if you're just in there being like, oh, I'm going to save animals, and that's it, then sure, that could look appealing to you. Although, I mean, I'm sure a lot of animals die in the the creation of that uh, product as well. Um, But, you know, it's it's like less direct, right? So um, 
yeah, I think that's a great example of like why total liberation is so necessary because otherwise, yeah, we're just being sold these terrible products that do, as you say, make a mockery of the values that are supposed to be underpinning the vegan movement. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's just like recycling too. Like so, so much of veganism has been reduced to just aesthetics. Yeah. You know, and like, not only does it feel good to do good things, but it also looks good mm. to do good things, you know? Mm -hmm. It looks trendy and cool and politically aware and right side of history and like mm -hmm. kind of like it's it's the the the, the notorious Ruth Bader Ginsburg T-shirts of of the animal liberation movement equivalent here, you know, like right. when things just are, are like or like you know, a better analogy would be when um, conservative American politicians start talking about the working class. And blue collar values and like they they only ever talk about that to drive wedges into the actual working class and to alienate people. Mm -hmm. They're just adopting car hearts and oil derricks for aesthetics mm -hmm. and not actually any material purposes. And that's the same way capitalism has redressed a lot of veganism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, it sucks because like you kind of end up really identifying with that version of you, right? Like I am the person who is on the right side of history. I'm the person who cares about these things. And so therefore I am showing my care by doing this, you know? Yeah. Um, and it does become really like wrapped up in people's like feelings of self-worth, you know, um, especially as an activist. Right. And, and I mean, I don't think that's, I don't blame anyone for that. Like, obviously like I'm, mm -hmm. I'm in that camp as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we really do need to, uh, yeah. Oh, think bigger. Um, and I, I think it's unfortunate that a lot of total liberation activists still focus on the diet primarily, right? Like mm -hmm. most times when people approach them with like, oh, what can I do? The recommendations are all about like, okay, well, here's how you can eat vegan and still get all your protein or whatever it is, you know, um, or here's some recipes that you can use for veganuary and then go from there. You know, it's, it's always starting with the diet and the diet is really the bar that people need to meet yeah. to be able to participate in the movement. And if you're not, if you're, if you're out there doing like all of the things, you know, if you're doing direct action, if you're, you know, forcing change of laws, if you're whatever, like, you know, if you're really, really standing up with uh, indigenous land resistance and land back and making change that way, right? Like, no, you're not part of the movement until you're consuming hundred percent plant-based and the minute that you're not like your, your vegan card is revoked and like, oh, you're, you know, you don't care. You're not doing enough. You're whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And I find that really sad that like Deeply. even, you know, like even people who are really into total liberation, it's like that's that's the yeah, that's the bar that you need to meet in order to participate in any of this, even though we know that that bar isn't going to bring us real change. Right. Like it's more of like prove to us that you're one of us by doing this you know it's like uh what's it called like a hazing or something oh like, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you can join you can be one of us if you show us that you can do this you know um even though this has not been effective yeah and i think this is this is really important to like tease apart too because like you know, one of the things I touched on earlier is that, like, the, the kind of broad ontology of veganism is totally broken, right? Because it's impossible to be totally vegan. Mm. You know, like, that's not 
that's not an achievable thing to to have, right? Like even if you only eat a diet burger or diet cheese, impossible meat products, meat in quotes or whatever, like you you know, and you're ultra strict about all of your food sources to not even have something that has the asterisks may contain milk or you're produced on shared equipment, whatever. Like that's still getting shipped by a truck that's running down deer. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's still being produced using petrochemical resources that are driving a mass extinction, which is killing more animals than any human dietary practice could hope for. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's still interwoven into the system. It's still pulling at all these oppressive threads. It's this inescapable thing. Like that is the nature of being interwoven into a system, right? Like we we can't like isolate individual practices. Mm-hmm. And I think that speaks to the, the kind of failure of having veganism and vegetarianism be this bar of participation. Mm-hmm. Because we wouldn't really like say that about anything else. Y- you know, like if if someone if we like start like a hypothetical like environmental protest group and we're gonna go picket like some oil exec meeting or something, you know, like we wouldn't like be like, oh, well, you're not also trying to unionize your workplace. So do you really belong here? Mm-hmm. Y- you know, we wouldn't hit them with the same kind of like, e- like, uh, it's just like this petty elitism. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just so, don't we have more important things, more direct things that we could be doing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like the worst thing is when people are like, trying you know like where they're like oh well i'm eating plant-based on mondays or you know doing meatless monday or they're reducing a lot or whatever and then it's they're just again just being like totally torched by the community because it's like oh don't you know that you're contributing to all this or whatever you know and like i mean i i get it right like again this is coming from Mm -hmm. like two very long time vegans right like I do get the idea that veganism, I I mean, you know, people will say that like, oh, well, veganism is about doing as little harm as possible. So like, you can't control that truck running over the deer, but you can control not participating in the brutal slaughter of, Mm -hmm. you know, billions of animals or whatever. So, um, you know, you should do that. And again, like, yeah, there is something to be said about prefiguration. And we're not here to try to dissuade people from being vegan. We're not here to like, I think it's oh, no, yeah. used to be said, like, we're not here to be like, don't, you know, the, the answer isn't just like giving up and forgetting about it. Like the answer is um, thinking bigger, right? Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've like, to, to just put my cards on the table, like, you know, for like medical reasons, I've had to become the inverse of the meatless Monday person. Mm. So now I'm a fish Friday person. Right. <laughs> and so it's like, like, that's kind of. I, I, and like, I've been on both sides of that conversation too, where like, like when I was younger and I was, I was trying to like do more like environmental action stuff, like people would be like, okay, well, like here are some ways you could be more vegan too, to like join mm-hmm. the group. And then as I got older and I was in, I was in more of not necessarily leadership positions, but like more established roles, like I would, I would deliver those same talking points to newer people to be like, oh, it's great that you're coming that someone took time out of their goddamn weekend to to join a picket line or a protest. And then I had the gall to be like, okay, but when you get home, like, are you going to be eating like dairy ice cream though? Mm. You, you know, like, like mm-hmm. to just the, the asinine, the, the honestly ass backwards political sensibility of that from like an organizational perspective. Mm-hmm. 
you, you know, and to, and to now, like, I do appreciate the irony of now I'm, I'm, I'm like rounded the corner and I'm the person that's like, oh, well, I am trying to minimize my meat consumption. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. And I'm sure there's people who are listening to this and feel like, oh, fuck this guy, you know, like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And like, fine, you know, but 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 that sucks. And and I, I think this is a great time to just get into the ableism of all of this. And yeah, like talk about you and I. Because I think that that's another thing that the mainstream movement doesn't really grapple with. And I think that most people and I'm the same way, like I always knew that eating 100% plant-based would not be doable for everyone. Like I admitted that like, sure, there's some people who this isn't going to work for, for whatever reasons, or maybe even just not indefinitely, you know, like maybe there would be periods of time that it wouldn't work or whatever. But because in my mind, I was like, oh, but that's those people. And I imagine that that was just a very small percentage. I just didn't really grapple with that. But for people who are total liberationists and who do care about ableism and who don't want to play into that, like, okay, what does it mean then if we accept that some people will need to consume animal products some of the time, then what future are we fighting for, right? Because there's a lot, and and I really respect, I, I had um, Troy Viteze on the show to talk about half socialism. And that's really a plan that involves like veganism um, to make that all work. Um, And I'm like, yeah, that's, it makes sense, obviously, why that's part of the future that he's envisioning. Um, But then I think like, okay, yeah, but like, that is kind of ableist if it's like everyone must do this and everyone has no choice. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's like, I know some people will be like, okay, well then, you know, lab room meat, that's, that's the future. Um, or other people will be like, and I think myself, I'm kind of more in the kind of, uh, moving towards more of a reciprocal kind of relationship with our yeah. environments. That's where I'm kind of at, but that needs to be asked. Right. Cause I think most of the, the mainstream movement just kind of ignores that that fact that maybe some people aren't able to do it. They just kind of like, Oh yeah, whatever. That's the minority. But then it's like, okay, but then how are they going to live in the future that we're building then? If we're not thinking about like creating a a future where the values that we hold are respected, but people are still able to get what they need if that's, that's what they need. Right. So I, I just think like that does throw a wrench into this kind of, Oh, all we have to do is just consume vegan products and then we win, you know, like, what are we winning? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Cause we can, we could talk about like lab grown meat or like any mm-hmm. kind of like, kind of like a fictitious Star Trek technology future where everything we have is provided for us by some pseudo magical machinery, mm-hmm. but like, Hey, we're not there. In, right. in fact, we're very, very far from there. Mm-hmm. You know, and like the the kind of terms of the conflict that we're in with industrial capitalism don't permit us the luxury of like setting up all these like fallacious internal disputes with each other. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I I think like, because when we talk about like, oh, well, like, you know, someone can't eat uh, a strict vegan diet because of a uh, ability issue that they have like we're talking in really like weird static terms about someone mm-hmm. you know we're you know like we're kind of reproducing a lot of the same like social technology of ableism in that conversation mm-hmm. you know like oh, okay well this th- this person has some kind of medical condition and now they, they get like 
we'll, we'll give them a special little card that says that they can have meat or dairy or whatever yeah. some, some kind of issue. But there's always the underlying assumption of like, oh, well, then in like X years, they'll either be healthy because of increased veganism or some kind of Star Trek technology will, uh, you know, have lab grown meat or some kind of synthetic foods replacing whatever their problem was. And that doesn't really grapple with like the, the kind of like actual immediate stark reality of this stuff. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, oh. <laughs> no, it's, it's so true. And it's, it's really something that like, I didn't think about until very recently um, because I was like, Oh, that's everyone else's, you know, that's other people's issue. Mm -hmm. And I just, whatever. And I mean, old me, was actually like pretty asinine about it too. Like I had some people in my life who um, had really serious medical conditions and uh, their doctors had advised them not to go plant-based. And I, I was like, oh, they just don't know that like plant-based is better and that like you could heal oh, yeah, on a yeah. plant-based diet. Um, but more recently, I actually looked into like what they have and I was like, oh God, no, yeah, they should not be. <laughs> They should not be eating uh, mm -hmm. plant-based, right? Um, but at the time, I was just like, oh, poor them. They just, you know, I didn't push it, but I was like, I just assumed that, like, they were wrong, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, maybe we could talk about uh, both of our health journeys and, uh, you know, why we, we stepped away. Um, but, you know, where, where that kind of leaves us in our desire for fighting for total liberation. Yeah, yeah. Like for me, it, it's been it's been really interesting, right? Because like I've always been keyed into an aspect of like conversations around ability and and kind of ableism and how that works on material levels, on historic levels, because of mental health issues, um, and because of like mental health advocacy and stuff like that. Um, but like, admittedly, you know, like veganism left a kind of yeah, like like a gap in my hermeneutics, right? It, it it kind of like left me like this blank, unfilled area when it comes to like how physical issues and how mental issues can intersect with diet, right? Because just to to be honest about it, none of mine did at the time, mm -hmm. right? And then like you, you know, like COVID started, and like you know, knock on wood, still to best of my knowledge, haven't gotten COVID yet. But like. Uh, as as COVID restrictions started to wrap up, like, you know, went to the doctor to try and chase down like a couple like, I don't know, just like weird lingering medical issues I was having. And like one of the recommendations that came out of that is to like start incorporating animal products back into my diet. And like I'm in this weird place where like I still don't see red meat as food. It's just been so long. I, I, I like look mm -hmm. at it and like my brain just doesn't register that as something I can eat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but like that's that's a me thing <laughs> that's not an argument i would put forward um but like my health has gotten better since i've like incorporated like seafood back into my like diet mm -hmm. and like i keep i keep returning to the, the the kind of phrase that pops up around a lot of like ability advocacy texts and scenes where it's like uh disability is one of the only opt-in oppressed groups it's it's one of the only ones that can that you know through, through the course of just living eventually we'll all get kind of kicked into it at some point mm -hmm. you know whether by by injury illness or age and I, I think like grappling with that and kind of like recentering that in the total liberation conversation 
in addition to like kind of like issues of like you know, like like god like colonialism mm-hmm. racism fucking capitalism to put that stuff back alongside animal liberation really 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 goes a long way to like i don't know removing this kind of like personal personal individualized consumer based practice as the kind of center tent pole of a movement mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah which again yeah is is not effective and gets embarrassed very easily when people you yeah. know <laughs> move away for it from from any for any reason right so yeah thank you for sharing that um yeah i'm in a similar boat and um yeah i've been very nervous to talk about Same. this publicly um because i if i feel like i'll be letting down a lot of people um yeah yep. but um i and I'm, I'm sure people are like well why say anything then if it doesn't matter anyway right and the reason that i want to say something is just because i want to put it out there that like yes we care about these issues like we never stopped caring um and you might really care about these issues but you know as you said like if for whatever reason your ability changes and you need to take care of your health i want people to feel good and comfortable taking care of their health um and still feel like they can participate in a broader movement for something that they care about you know um Mm -hmm. So yeah, my issue was uh, I had developed a uh, autoimmune disorder mm-hmm. and um, I won't tell other people's stories, but I had friends as well who had developed similar autoimmune disorders and we were all, you know, working on it in our own ways and working with experts and things like that. Um, and then eventually, um, you know, yeah, we were all recommended. I, I also had a lot of issues with my hormones and whatever. So we were all similarly recommended. I was working with somebody before I got pregnant because, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how, how, how <laughs> much to dig into this, but like, uh, it would have been really dangerous for me, um, to get pregnant and be out of balance with my thyroid in particular. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I'll just leave it there. So I was working with somebody before trying to get pregnant because I was like, I really need to get this under control. Um, otherwise, it, you know, it could be really bad for me and potentially the the child. So at that point, I was recommended to start eating some animal products as well. And so I started to do that. It was like eggs and fish. And that was like, that was Same. it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, okay, whatever, I'm going to do this. And, you know, it'll just be temporary and uh, whatever. And I didn't plan to tell anyone about it because I was like, well, it's nobody's business. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do get people being like, you know, thinking that I've had a vegan pregnancy and like wanting to talk about it or whatever. And Mm, I'm like, I just, you know, I don't want to lie about that. But anyway, yeah, that was, uh, that was what happened. Um, But then throughout my pregnancy, and I, I was the same as you, I was like, I don't view meat as food. And like, it was already a stretch. And I was like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm good with mm-hmm. this. But in the third trimester of my pregnancy, unfortunately, I started to have this issue with my blood platelets and um, my, my red blood count and all the stuff. And my platelet, platelets were basically just like plummeting. And this was uh, concerning because there's already a risk of like hemorrhaging after you give birth. Um, But if your platelets are very low, then like, you know, there's more of a risk of you just like bleeding uncontrollably. Um, And I was very lucky to get in with the midwife team. And uh, basically, I, I couldn't still be with them 
if my platelets dropped under a certain level and they were getting dangerously close to that. Um, and they would have just referred me out to an OB that I had never met before. And I didn't want, I had, I was planning a home birth. I didn't want to have a hospital mm-hmm. birth. And so anyway, it was just really like, Oh fuck, like this is, this is dire. I need to turn this around like within a matter of like weeks. Um, and so I started trying to do that, um, plant-based primarily and with supplementation and it worked a little bit, but then it just started plummeting again. Um, and so I really just had like a few weeks to like (laughs) turn this around. So at that point I, again, was working with, uh, this person and I was just like, okay, fuck it. Like I just have to go all in to fix this so that I can like give birth safely and then like whatever. And, uh, now, uh, the blood work that I'm getting is showing that like my autoimmune disorder is like almost healed. (laughs) Um, yeah, which is like fucking wild because it's been something that I've been trying to work on for like so many years. Um, and so at this point, like, you know, I'm still open to like, well, in the future, you know, maybe this will be mostly temporary or whatever, or maybe in the future, it'll just be like, a a little bit of animal products and, you know, whatever, but, you know, right now that's where I'm at and that's, you know, the blood work is really encouraging. And so I don't want to make big changes right now because I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm still kind of struggling with like the postpartum, like all of the sleepless nights and I'm just trying to like get by, you know, but uh, yeah. So obviously that led us to start talking and to just to to really (laughs) grapple with like oh my god you know um yeah i mean th- this thing that like i i knew that could happen to some people but i never imagined i would be one of those people you know um and then like here i am but you know like i obviously i still care about like all these issues and like it's difficult because now i have a child um mm-hmm. and for me like the sustainability issue is like the major one of the, one of the major things and like thinking about the world that like I want to build for him and like the values that I want to impart to him you know so yeah I guess I just coming to this place of like okay I still care about all this this is the place that I'm in right now unfortunately we don't live in like a decolonized reciprocal uh society um so I don't feel good about you know my participation right now but I also know that like for this, the, however many years, like, I mean, over a decade that I was at least vegetarian and then like almost a decade that I was vegan, you know, did that make as much of an impact as I wanted it to make? And like, how how do I live my values while also acknowledging Mm -hmm. my, my ability needs? You know, it's, it's tough. Cause yeah, like the veganism presents a very simple, a simple way forward. Like you care about this, so you do this and like, there you go, you know, Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess like maybe we could talk about what, you know, where we're at now, like what total liberation activism looks like for us right now or like going forward or. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing all of that stuff, too. Yeah. Like, I think this is not only powerful, but also important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, I just wanted to say, like, you know, like for people listening out there, too, like it's not like a, a slider where you have like you have to trade in your, your veganism slash total liberation points for some personal health points yeah, and, and hope to get them back one day or, or, or something, you know, like we're all just, and, and I mean, like I, I say this in, in the most profound sense I can possibly muster, but like, we're all simply doing what we can 
And mm-hmm. if everybody did what we did, what they could, we could all be doing so much more mm-hmm. and then systems would change, mm-hmm. you know? And like that, that involves kind of moving, moving past this, like, oh, this, this, this like little consumer diet trend thing, or at least like, I don't know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be so mean about veganism, especially as someone who was vegan for so long. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but like, I, I don't know, like. The, the fact that it's been so thoroughly recaptured by by capital, right? Like the fact that like, you, you know, like Burger King is no longer like one of the arch nemesises of, of, of animal rights. Now they're a place where you can go get your animal right burger. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, that just, it, it just, it feels like they, they pulled one over on us, you know, mm-hmm. like, like capitalism is, nothing if not this machine that's constantly able to reinvent itself and resist the forces of its own demise mm-hmm. by by just absorbing them and like here here we are so yeah i think it is really important to like kind of cap this discussion on okay well what now <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah so for me and you know i've been thinking a lot about this and and this kind of even started back when we were doing the speciesism episode and really trying to define it as a political systemic thing so for me like total liberation activism starts with land back in the territory that i reside in Um, and i'm very fortunate that that's a lot of what i do in my academic career like i'm part of a a canada-wide project that's led by indigenous peoples um, who are declaring their own uh, protected areas to basically declare sovereignty over their territories and to be able to make, you know, management plans for that area. And then any settlers who reside in there have to um, respect those plans. Um, And so that's, that's what I'm doing. And I feel like that is contributing to kind of a, a total liberation activism, right? Like moving towards a decolonized food system where animal agriculture is abolished and the commodity status of animal is abolished. Um, we've relocalized our food systems and, you know, they look a lot more reciprocal, maybe, um, you know, communal kind of permaculture stuff. Um, and just, you know, learning how to live in the environment that I'm in. Right. So to me, that is part of total liberation activism. Like, uh, you know, my activism against capitalism for workers' rights, um, you know, I'm I'm helping right now with activism around, uh, you know, stopping our government from privatizing our healthcare further. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like all of that is total liberation activism, right? Like anti-racist work. Um, yeah. And like, uh, you know, in terms of animal liberation more broadly, I mean, I definitely think land back is huge um, mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, as we said, animal agriculture is incredibly colonial and then also like as i said you know there's a lot of political activism that can be done to uh target the corporations that are doing this um and to force the government to stop giving them subsidies etc like there's there's just a lot of activism that can be done that's part of this total liberation framework um that doesn't begin and end at what you're eating oh absolutely like I, i think that's such a good way to look at it like viewing this thing holistically right like like viewing the entire system rather than rather than just this tiny tiny consumptive practice this tiny sliver that gets so much outsized attention Mm -hmm. um i I think it's so important too and especially like 
all of these issues intersect with each other, right? Like, you know, like, like, like supporting, supporting a, a small Starbucks with five employees unionizing is, is an aspect of total liberation, mm-hmm. right? Like issues of class and, and race are, and ability and queerness are all part of this, mm-hmm. especially here in the United States. We're like, trans trans bodies and trans individuals are increasingly becoming criminalized in some of the most horrific ways mm-hmm. and and in one of the most open expressions of fascism you know like see, seen in this country in quite some time and especially watching those inter- watching those issues and like how they intersect with race historically is really important how they intersect with the class historically is really important mm-hmm. and like <clears throat> to not to not have like just which burger you buy at Burger King being the kind of linchpin that holds so much of this all together. And and I know that's not like, you know, the case for some of these issues, right? Like the, are you a vegan conversation doesn't come up so much on like the union shop floor, mm-hmm. but like when, you know, like I, I keep thinking about like what would happen if the teamsters went on strike until carbon emissions were cut in half or whatever, Mm-hmm. You know, like some, some measurable goal, some outcome. If we relinked class to environment and like, or like relinked class to issues of colonialism, and like, mm-hmm. and to to have a different appraisal of how veganism fits into this thing, as instead of being this this mandatory step before you can engage with environmental issues or animal issues or issues of colonialism, to mm-hmm. instead being like, okay, this this thing that could in some way be part of prefiguration that we haven't quite pinned down yet. Mm-hmm. And I think like, Oh, go on, go on, go on. I was just going to say like, yeah, exactly. Like, Cause like to be clear, the animal agriculture industry has to die. Like we do oh, yeah. need to dis- <laughs> destroy this industry, like for the environment, for the animals and, and whatnot. But as we mentioned, um, you know, just consuming vegan products isn't going to take this industry down. So instead of like holding everyone up to this bar, regardless of their ability, or, you know, maybe, maybe their ability has changed and maybe, you know, whatever, instead of that, right. Like we need to be building a broad movement that like, like how do we actually take down this industry? Right. And how do we do it in a way that does honor the fact that there are people with different abilities that are going to need access to some things. Right. Um, and it's, it's just not a hundred percent of people who can do this indefinitely all the time. Right. Like that actually needs to be part of the discussion because right now it's nowhere in the discussion. It's just consume this way. And that's how we're going to make a dent in the industry. It's not. And it's also leaving out a lot of people who could be allies and who could, really want to participate in the movement, but they can't meet that initial bar. And so they're excluded, right? Like that's not a way to build a robust and effective movement. So I just think like that, and I don't have the answer to that, right? Like how do we take down this industry in a way that honors everyone's ability? I, you know, I don't know, but it's not just consuming vegan. So we Mm -hmm. need like this, that needs to be, that needs to be the starting point of our new, broader, bigger discussion of like, okay, what are our tactics now, you know? Oh, absolutely, right? Like, this is such a large, multifaceted thing. And I think it's the the answer is that there are multiple answers, right? Mm Anti-racism and anti-fascism and pro-union politics and land back are all part of ending animal agriculture as we know it. 
and mm-hmm. and instead supplanting that with a system that i don't know won't destroy life on earth as it can be recognized by humans <laughs> and like you know I, I just i just i just can't help but think like what what is going to put a bigger dent into the the nature and material functionality of animal agriculture like supporting the unionization of slaughterhouse workers or shopping differently at mcdonald's Mm -hmm. you know like which which one is going to make them more upset right Mm -hmm. and like that's kind of like how i'm approaching this now is like okay like like being agential and being aware of the products we consume and under what conditions we consume them is incredibly important Mm-hmm. right like but that can't be the end-all be-all because we've seen what happens and what happens is like you'd get sold a cookbook and you think you've won mm-hmm. you know like you think you've won when burger king's profit goes up because now they have a, a burger that they can sell to hippies right mm-hmm. like <laughs> you know like we can't are, are we are we so easily bought like i don't mm-hmm. know like i i don't I, and i like again like you know, in so many ways, I still see myself as like, like, quote unquote, plant based or whatever, like somehow in this broader mm-hmm. taxonomy of someone who's like, aware of consumptive dietary practices, but like, you know, like, it's such a limited, a limited purview of of what's going on out there in the world full of so many broader contacts and so many like, to to be quite frank about it things that could be much much more impactful without being nearly as as alienating mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah just kind of letting that hang there <laughs> <laughs> yeah this has been this has been a really heavy conversation and like yeah yeah yeah, this, yeah for everyone out there in listener land topic. too this yeah, this is like this is the condensed version of what you and I've been talking about for like months now. Yeah, yeah, because I think like we have so much here, but it's also like just the beginning, right? Like it's we, yeah, we're really just kind of scratching the surface. But I, I feel like we're at a good starting point here for like, okay, what next? And I, I hope that this is received by uh, at least the, the the total liberation vegan movement as kind of like things to consider um, and to really be clear about what kind of future we're fighting for and how do we bring as many people along the way to building that future. And, you know, yeah, maybe some people will hear this and be like, oh, these are just like some bitter assholes who like couldn't do it, you know, but two vegan influencers sold out. (laughs) But like, if that's the reality, then like the movement needs to grapple with that in order to be effective. Right. Right. Um, and it's like, I, I, I really do want to see that world where animal agriculture no longer exists. And, um, yeah, it's just been like a hard, I guess, pregnancy, um, grappling with this stuff, but here we are. So I hope, uh, I hope this has been, you know, stimulating for people in terms of, uh, inspiring some, some thoughts and some reflection and, um, yeah, just thank you so much for coming on and and sharing all of what you shared and just digging into these issues because yeah, it's I think it's a really really important conversation that I do not hear being had in the mainstream. 
yeah and, th- and thank you thank you so much for i mean like hosting this and like i don't know it's 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 i think it's a it's a bold move given given the platform <laughs> that you have to have this conversation here yeah we'll see what the reaction's like i may have to rebrand <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but no, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I hope that this is received like within the vein of total liberation and like understanding that, like, I obviously care about this. I have a whole platform that I've dedicated to it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And anyway, and veganism is, is a tactic too, right? And like, and if a tactic mm-hmm. isn't being successful in terms of the political action and measurable outcomes, then we just need to readdress what that tactic is used for or rather how it's being used. Yeah, that's such a great point. Exactly. Yeah, if it is a tactic towards total liberation, let's evaluate it mm-hmm. and uh, reassess <laughs> what we need to be doing. Anyway, I think that's a good place to end. So thank you so much, Ash. Do you want to shout out uh, your platform and where people can find you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I am... You can- you can find me on uh, Instagram at Darrowscope or at Darrow.media, my website. I'm also uh, one of the two co-ghosts of the podcast Horror Vanguard. We uh, <laughs> discuss left or we discuss horror movies in the context of left politics. Hell yeah. We have a pretty good time doing it. Um, and you can find Horror Vanguard um, at Horror Vanguard on Twitter and Instagram, um, HorrorVanguard.com and wherever podcasts are distributed. Yes, everyone go check it out. It is a fantastic, fantastic podcast. And check them out on Patreon as well. you have been on several times now. I have been on to talk about many, uh, well, I guess one vegan film. (laughs) And then Twilight. We we did Raw, we did Twilight. (laughs) Yeah. Great stuff. So classics. But yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. And thanks everyone for listening. And we'll catch you in the next one. Bye.